0: your voice A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian
1: Break free from the forces holding you back get the life you deserve, eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results, getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app
2: today. Hello everyone, welcome to the Inner Voice podcast, a heartfelt chat with my guests and you beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain, I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the awareness integration theory. It is so great to be with all of you. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Yuan Hannes. He is one of the pioneers in the field of lifestyle medicine in Europe since 2018. Dr. Hannes has been a board member and a vice chairman of the European Lifestyle Medicine Organization. He's also the founder of the Belgian Lifestyle Medicine Organization, which together with Elmo led to a joint action for the development of the first European Lifestyle Medicine Certificate Health and and Fitness Lifestyle Advisor. The certificate he developed and coordinated has trained more than 350 health professionals from Europe and around the world to acquire and practical skills to prevent and treat lifestyle-related chronic diseases. Since 2019, Dr. Hannes has been uh, the organizer and the member of the scientific committee of uh, ALMO Congress. He is the coordinator and author for the first European ebook on lifestyle medicine, lifestyle medicine and chronic diseases prevention and treatment. He coordinates the sexual health and lifestyle medicine module in the first European uh, lifestyle medicine university of uh, Thessaly, Greece. He is trained in lifestyle medicine at Harvard University in Boston and is uh, motivational interviewing at Massachusetts University Hospital in Belgium. He is certified as a clinical sexologist and um, ULB in Belgium and graduated from a master's degree in human sexuality and family studies in Belgium. He's also the member of Société Belgique, um, the medicine um, nutritionist and graduated with a master's degree in food science and nutrition at Ghent University. He speaks five languages fluently, English, French, Dutch, Romanian, and Hungarian. He works as a nutritionist in the obesity department at the military hospital in Brussels in Belgium. He's also the medical expertise doctor for various governmental agencies. Um, As you can see, he is an amazing expert in this area. I met him at, uh, he was a lecturer in um, the course, uh, Lifestyle Medicine, which I got in Harvard. And I met him there and I requested for him to be, um, um, to have a conversation about sexual health. I truly enjoy and learn a lot from him. And I hope that you learn as much as I do. So our conversation is about sexual health. Subscribe to my podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website at fujanzang.com or any of my social medias and share with me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. So without any further ado, here is Dr. Yuan Panas
1: eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.
2: Dr. Johan Hannes, it is such a great, great pleasure and honor to have you with me on this show. Thank you for um joining me from um, all you've been all over the world and back so thank you
0: thank you for the invitation it's really a pleasure to be here
2: I had the privilege of meeting you actually when, since I'm taking a course with uh, Dr. Freitas at Harvard, um, and uh, you were one of the presenters. And I enjoyed your conversation so much that I connected with you, and I asked if we could have this conversation for my audience in the podcast. And you graciously accepted. And the topic is um, sexual health, and um, it's an it's an interesting conversation when we talk about it from a sexual health perspective, because um, as a psychotherapist, I work with a lot of clients and also with a, a lot of couples, which come into my office. And sexuality is something that people are not that free to talk about. It's one of those concepts where there is so much stigma around it when it comes to experience, when it comes to feelings, when it comes to sharing. And it's so attached somehow to people's self-esteem. It's almost like couples don't talk about it. If they're not satisfied with it within their own system or other people, they feel like embarrassed and ashamed to talk about it even with each other. And, um, you know, although it might be a humorous conversation among friends, but when it's a serious conversation, people don't really want to share. And it's one of those things that somehow there's an expectation as if if we were born, we should be skilled already. And that's not the truth. It's a skill like anything else in the world where as we grow up, we have to learn what makes it to be healthy, what makes it to be dysfunctional, what makes it, you know, what are the things that we need to learn to take care of ourselves and to take care of our relationships. So it's one of those topics that everybody has has some like horror or giggling behind the scenes, but it's so hard for people to talk about. So I'm grateful for us to have the opportunity to talk about this.
0: Uh, i thank you again especially because it's um, it's not easy and requires a lot of courage to to discuss about that but you um, you mention some um, some items which actually uh, make us to be able or not to discuss about sexual health and this is what um, was introduced in the years 70s by simon and gagnon who um, um, approach sexual health through the so-called sexual script. So the way how we uh, refer to relate to um, positive sexuality, so sexual health topics, it's really much influenced by our education and the culture in which we live. So this is why if we had, um, had an education or we lived or... Um, uh, we live still now in a a traditional or a a society where we don't discuss about that, we will not discuss uh, with our patients, with our clients about these aspects. And it's also that until a few years ago, the only one thing about sexual health was the unwanted pregnancies and the sexual transmitted diseases. But luckily, we had the World Health Organization statement, which changed everything.
2: Yes. Um, and um, you have in the uh, chapter of the book that you um, have contributed to, uh, you shared that actually. And what I say, um, the... World Health Organization says sexual health is a state of physical emotional mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease function or in um, infer- in infernity. sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experience, free of coercion, discrimination, and violence. But you also suggest uh, different types of um, references for sexuality, such as sexual uh, satisfaction in your chapter, or uh, sexual pleasure, sexual self-esteem, and sexual self-efficacy. Could you share a little bit about that?
0: So I, I always say to my to my patients and, and clients that um, sex, uh, sexuality is not a charity. So before knowing what uh, we expect from other uh, people, I mean in couple or uh, whatever it's the form that we choose, we have to know ourselves what we what we like. So. And here we talk about uh, the sexual pleasure, the sexual efficacy, so it means that you know what you are looking for, um, sexual comfort. So these terms are helping us, and this is most of the time starting from early age to education, um, what we need, how we live our sexuality, and we are going for that. And when we know what we like, what we go for it, we have also a safer and a healthier sexuality. That would be really, in a few few words, the um, all these concepts, which could be a bit confusing at the beginning. So,
2: so what becomes of the conversation of health? It seems like, um, as uh, we develop, as you share, the concepts that our family tells us, um, We learn through the culture and how our family talks about sexuality. Then I think that we learn it also from our kind of peers, because sometimes the the messages that our families tell us is different than as an adolescent, let's say, um, we learn from our peers at school. Uh, uh, And it's different than the sexual education they give us at school, where the sexual education at school is usually about um, how not to get the sexual uh, diseases and, uh, you know, um, to prevent pregnancy, uh, but the sexual education that kind of we get from our peers and uh, sometimes just through pornography based on your, the, you know, the cell phones that, the, the, that we have. And then they starts with uh, sometimes a pleasure or a coercion based on the years that we are in high school or even, you know, now like junior high years which gives the people a different understanding and sometimes it's a very different message than what they get from their culture and there's a duality that that happens in inside a person as they come um, as they're growing up into this world and then it seems like it's very much attached to their self-esteem somehow whether they're attractive enough or whether they can perform enough Um, And uh, their performance and the skill building gives a lot of, you know, self-esteem issues um, at that moment, especially as they're growing up from, let's say, an adolescent to an adulthood. And um, sometimes they feel pressured and they put other associations around sexuality. Um, So can you share a little bit about all of this and how this affects the sexual health?
0: So... It was still a bit linked to, I mean, related to what we discussed first. So was um, was a study that, which I give this example often, wa- was performed uh, a few years ago in Sweden with Iranian immigrants uh, who arrive in Sweden. So, and then they've been interviewed, what do you think about um, divorce, about um, sex outside of of marriage um, lgbt community so all those questions which could be challenging and of course uh, yeah the answers were a bit uh, re- um, reflecting the um, tradition the education the um, what what uh, what they had before they arrived to sweden and then they asked the same questions 10 years later to the same participants um, of course, after living in a society as, um, as Sweden, the answers were mostly different uh, to what they replied uh, 10 years ago. But when they replied, were in Swedish and not in their native language. So, even if you change your opinion, it's so strong your roots about how you've been educated. Now, of course, uh, when we talk about education um, related to sexual health, it's not only in Iran or other countries that are challenging. You have a lot, I mean, for example, here in, in, in uh, Belgium, where I'm living, um, a few weeks ago, they introduced some new curricula in sexual uh, health and some schools, they put fire on those schools where uh, uh, where you dared to challenge the classical um, classical views on sexual health. So it's a topic where, in many many countries around the world, still still um, uh, starts a very very passionate debates. Now there are also uh, there is also a reality, for example, in France. A uh, half of the teenagers, I've been mean, between 13 and 15 years old, they've been in contact with pornography. So, this is why I consider personally that having a structured, safe education about sexual health is definitely um, influencing how people will. Re, uh, refer to their body, so there it's an important part. How I, I feel comfortable in my body, how I, for example, often teenagers feel that yeah, for example, a breast is bigger than another one, it's totally normal, or or a testicle or something. So these are something which we learn in an education which is made scientifically and in a safe environment, and not to refer ourselves uh, through por- through the eyes of pornography. Uh, when we talk about so early age,
2: very much. Um, I think that the education that a lot of the teenagers get is in—it's uh, either through experience or peer pressure, or what they learn from somebody who's at their own um, age, or um, or through pornography, and part of. Uh, What becomes important is uh, as I hear you and see it in your book, it's more about how do I learn how to first take care of myself and my body, whether it is what I like and what I don't like and uh, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And that comes into comfort, safety, and pleasure first, and then skill building Which then it's the concept of then beside me, then how do I connect with another human being? Because uh, we also see because of the world of pornography that a lot of people um, start getting um, very private and personal with uh, themselves and through masturbation and through pornography. And then it is hard for them to relate to another human being. So in order for them to have the, uh, you know, bring their sexual health and information and skill into a relationship, which at one point they get into, do you have any um, studies or conversations and, and, um, uh, you know, tips that you want to share with people in not only how to take care of themselves, but how to relate this into their relationship.
0: Now, when we talk about teenagers, they are very good shows. So was one very popular on, on, on Netflix, which uh, which really it's uh, not even for teenagers, but for even for adults, which uh, you probably know about that uh, uh, was very, in a funny way, very informative way. So I, I strongly recommend that sex education. Um, now, when we talk about pornography, um, the industry really adapted to everybody. So today you have stories or you have a pornography story, a narrative, uh, which was actually built up for women. So you feel in a way that it's something more than just often the very um, aggressive and very degrading uh, attitude what how, how women are, are treated in, in most of the pornography. Um, and that is not sex. So that is what we see there. That is very, very important. We cannot change that. So whatever we do, pornography existed, exists, and will exist. But it's very important to um, to to be aware that sizes, uh, performance, these are all artificial. What is there? So that is not the real real life. Now, of course, sometimes we recommend certain type of pornography for those. F- for example, I mean, to explore who they have problems with identifying their fantasies. Because uh, I was formed with, a according to a Canadian school of sex analysis, and there they consider to have a an, an balanced sexual health. It's about uh, knowing what turns you on, so your fantasies, having a knowledge about your body so masturbation can help to identify uh, your pleasures and then to share with uh, with someone else your intimacy also through a sexual activity so i would have I, I would say that my view on the pornography it's like everything when we talk about uh, emotions about instincts it's measure so it's adapted to a certain age, to a certain experience, or eventually for a certain purpose, but definitely not to be the first contact uh, about, uh, about intimacy for uh, teenagers.
2: You also talked about, um, in, your, in the book, uh, you also talk about the lifestyle influencers, right? Like risk and uh, different types of treatment factors. You talk about main, major ones being age, sleep, chronic disease, um, nutrition, exercise, diversity, stress, addiction, and different types of medication, which might interfere with your sexual health or change, not even, like the interference might be normal and the education that we get about it will allow us to know um, you know, how how they adapt. So for example, for age, they might be differences and each one of the differences in different types of age, it might be natural for that age. But if we don't know about it, we might take it as if um, it's not the natural progression. Um, can you share a little bit about these influences, lifestyle influencers, that would be affecting our sexual health? Yeah.
0: Um... Least here in in Brussels where I'm I'm living, so I I follow um, three years post university training to become a sexologist, a clinical sexologist. In those three years we didn't discuss maybe one or two hours of the lifestyle so you know you take out the the sexuality of someone like it's not influenced in which environment or which uh, i mean health or uh, how your body and etc you you have so i was very disappointed uh, and then I arrived in the, in the field of lifestyle medicine, I've been uh, with the same uh, excellent professor, Beth Freitas, and I did, um, we did a course about uh, lifestyle medicine and was not discussed, so sexual health, it was like intimacy, love, relation, which are important indeed, but we have sometimes to name. The the, the the concepts to name the reality. So I was second time uh, disappointed. So I said, what I will do here? So I said, if something doesn't exist, let's invent it. So then I looked at the literature and I tried to make a puzzle about how our lifestyle factors actually say a lot but can also influence um, sexual sexual health. And here, one of the things, I mean, still a bit related to to pornography and what you mentioned is that we have um, young male patients of 20 years, between 20 and 30 years, 20%, they have, uh, they experience the most common uh, male uh, sexual dysfunction, um, impotence, as was called in past, but now we call erection, uh, uh, erectile dysfunction. Of course, there the main cause it's pornography, excessive pornography, pornography. For someone of 40, 50 years, and there we have a percentage of almost half of the of the of the men who experience uh, erectile dysfunction, there it's organic, cardiovascular, could be cardiovascular causes. So we can see that actually age or health, cardiovascular things could be. Uh, viewed or could be influenced by by sexual uh, preferences or sexual health. Now, the day we we live in was someone uh, saying in an uh, obesity, uh, how it was that called an epidemic of obesity was a very special word (laughs) there. So um, that influence um, testosterone level, influence... Uh, pleasure level, influence libido, so this is why today, and we live in also a very stressful world, so this is why today 60% of the couples who are experiencing young couples, they are totally, uh, totally healthy and they cannot conceive so they, can, they really f- face fertility issues, and 60% of them, especially male men, are uh, the cause It's chronic stress. So it is something what it's working on. Um, diversity, so here we have the LGBTQ plus community, so for example, Um, We have the concept of minority stress. So being from early age under the influence of being harassed at school or church or home, that really develop in you a certain risk-seeking attitude with all the consequences which can be there. And then maybe even easier uh, today and can be implemented by everybody, which type of medication we take. So often medication against uh, depression, so the SSRE, which is a first-line medication. It's since three or four years that it's mentioned that this medication, even if you stop it, can still cause sexual dysfunction in men and even even genital numbness. Or often medication uh, against high blood pressure or uh, certain uh, antibiotics, so it's very important when we uh, prescribe a medication to look there or to discuss with, uh, with our patient that, look, this medication can influence your sexuality, uh, sexual life. Is it something that it's important for you or not? Because, of course, we have to do like uh, health professions, we have to do a decision, but definitely we have to discuss more about the, the lifestyle factors of the person in front of us.
2: So when we're talking about the lifestyle, it seems like there's um, also a a bit of uh, uncomfortableness and shame that shows up when I've worked with men, uh, where there's a denial that shows up for them when there's an issue about the erectile dysfunction. Uh, because they're so it culturally, uh, you know, even since about high school, they've been taught that they have to be the stallion, they have to perform, they have to do everything, if they're going to be their, you know, their manhood almost is attached to this concept of uh, performing well under all, all the stress. Um, when they are uh, having some issues, I've noticed that there's a lot of pain and due to that pain there's a denial and they keep pushing it away and they um they think maybe it's because of the 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 partner itself and uh, they'll come up with different types of um justifications around it and which takes them away from actually going and getting um appropriate treatment for it um what are some of the um what would you say to someone who is afraid of this matter, so they push it away, instead of going and getting treated for it.
0: First time when I started to discuss about uh, about this topic was in a European Congress of Lifestyle Medicine. And then um, I I challenged the audience, I said, uh, um, who from the audience uh, can say that Uh, even once in their lives they had an erection problem, raise your hand. First was nobody, and then I put myself my hand up, and then were many, many other hands. So, almost every man will experience in one moment of their life, for different reasons, uh, uh, erection problems. So, that is, would say, normal. Now, if we experience that more than six months regularly, there we arrive to what we call a sexual, I mean, erectile dysfunction. But even in that moment, we cannot say that we have a problem, because the definition of a dysfunction is actually when it causes pain to the person or in couple. So this is why when I discuss about lifestyle, so I I work most of the time uh, with people with obesity or with people with uh, metabolic syndrome, um, if not uh, just only sexual problems, but even in a consultation, a general medicine consultation, of course, I'm not starting with this question. So in the middle of the uh, conversation, uh, I consultation, I ask them, look, your medical condition can influence your sexual health. Is it something related to your erection or libido being the most fragment in men, or in woman your libido or dyspareunia? So pain during sexual intercourse, which you bothers you, or you would like to talk about that. And then one person in four will like to go deeper uh, to discuss that. So it's a very, I, I consider it a very polite, very respectful way to bring in conversation something, as you said, often cause really, really a lot of, uh, of sufferance in a couple when a simple lifestyle modification or medication or local treatment can really solve um, the symptoms. Then the problem we will explore later uh, with, uh, with the person.
2: There's also behavioral um, skills that are given to support um, and teach a lot of times coming from um, someone who uh, has gotten erectile dysfunction because of pornography and they've kind of created their body to be used to a certain type of performance And then they would have to use other behavioral methods in order to shift, whether it's erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or any of them. So there also isn't, you know, beside medication if needed, but it seems like there's also a lot of skill building, shifting behavioral exercises in order to gain uh, the optimum level of, let's say, pleasure or optimum health. Can you share a little bit about that?
0: of course um i i consider that and when we discuss is to the first step is to uh, degenitalize sexuality so sexuality sexual life is not only about penetration so that is something important to ask and of course uh, when you have 20 you have a certain type of sexuality when you are at 40 is different or when you are at 60 70 because we have seniors sexuality so I try to integrate this in intimacy because I mean you from your work maybe it's also uh, very known but from my professional experience many people stay together even if they don't have sexual life because there are other ways how they can relate in intimacy but for those who it's really important and it's part of to to feel uh, to feel good uh, and here I always share with, the, especially when they are coming in couple, uh, that for a, man, uh, a woman saying that, ah, you know, I don't want my, my uh, partner, uh, husband, to take medication. And I say, look, <laughs> uh, as for a woman, breast, it's most of the time a sign of femininity. An erection for a man, it's also something which, uh, which shows, affirms their sexuality. So let's see what we can do here. And one of the um, uh, topic is something, I mean one of the tools, it's the Sense8 focus. So it's from coming from Master and Johnson, where you have exercise. Do you have different forms that the essence is, for example, <clears throat> it's the first week. One of the partners is preparing the, the place for a massage with uh, candles, with music, and it's offering massage to the another one, but no uh, genital touching. The next week, they change, uh, they change roles. The second uh, parts so of third and fourth uh, fourth weeks, they can eventually touch genitals. Uh, but uh, no sexual contact. And then the last time they can have uh, a sexual uh, sexual intimacy. It's a way to, as I mentioned, degenitalize uh, sexuality and to explore uh, the bodies, what the an- others uh, they can discuss eventually, especially in the third and fourth week, What is your experience, how you felt? Because communication is essential. And why you should be in a couple with someone who you don't even trust to say what you like and what you dislike. So, re- replying to your question, I think communication is essential to say, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. But if we have a couple where both of them, it's what we call sexophile. So people who like to explore sexuality, who like to uh, to discover more about their sexuality with their partner. Because we can have also, as we have people who don't like alcohol or people who don't like to smoke, is the same also with sexual... There are people who don't like sex. And we have more and more now the younger generation. Uh, I, I think I had also in the course some question. Am I, am I not normal if I don't like sex? No, no. This is your... This is your way to be. It's totally okay. The problem is when someone who likes sex gets in a couple with someone who doesn't like sex. There, it's something to be changed.
2: I really like what your conversation about communication because I um, also have uh, noticed a lot of times with couples, um, even with, um, and I'm not saying that all gen, you know, all women or all men think of it this way, but you talked about stress. And um, one of the things that I also notice is, especially when couples have children, their sex life changes because of um, adding stress and having uh, children being at home, sometimes being in their bed, sometimes, you know, having to shift all of it and then being tired. So not only like as a couple, as a younger couple who don't have children, um they come from work They they have the ability and the time to kind of de-stress by exercising or zoning out and and coming back together and there's a time that they could connect emotionally together and that builds the intimacy as they go maybe possibly have a sexual act or not but their sexuality becomes part of this even it becomes part of their touch whether they you know it, it leads to um intercourse or not But when we add the concept of family system and the stress of children, I've noticed a lot that um, it affects, like what you said in the book about the environment and the stress. It affects uh, both in even having the desire to even be connect. It's almost like, let me just do what I have to do during the day and then collapse. And sometimes with men, um, they utilize the sexuality as more like a connection and releasing of the stress. Uh, while a lot of times women, they need to actually completely zone out, you know, have their body very relaxed b- before they could even entertain, um, you know, some t- some type of a touch even, and like you said, communication in between becomes so crucial because sometimes they feel rejected because they go toward each other and they're not in the space to be even be able to receive but then that then takes is taken as if it's a rejection and they feel hurt by each other and it actually takes them and you know they're no longer close and they don't want to talk about this it becomes one of those issues of not conversation and even if they're conversing about it it's coming from like anger and frustration about it. So they'll have the like microaggression communication coming at each other, which takes them away. And then um, something that they really need to be close, it it just evaporates because of some of these things. So bringing back, you know, uh, like safe communication about these matters brings couples back together and brings that type of like allowance of pleasure, Plus that maybe when they got together, their body was acting differently. The stress of life was different. And as they go through couplehood with all of these other like career stress, you know, child uh, parenting stresses and all of that and age, their body changes. And because the communication isn't ongoing and they don't know how to share with the other person, I think as their relationship changes, the communication might stop. And therefore, um, they don't share with each other what they need. Sometimes they don't even know what their body needs anymore because they're not even tuning in to see and they're expecting themselves to perform at a you know single 20-year-old versus someone with a high career stress, parenting issues, and age developing and moving forward, and plus women adding the concept of hormonal issues into it. Um so, like you said, the communication is the key, really.
0: Indeed, and but here, what I I often suggest is that as we find time to to do physical activity, to go to uh, to uh, buy healthy food, we have to find also time for our couples. So that means that before being a mother, before being a a career, having a career uh, or a wife or whatever, we are we. So what is your me time? So that is one thing. Because someone who is all the time available definitely will also, could be the the best person. We need always to keep a certain uh, sparkling in the couple. So I can have something which I enjoy, it's me time. And children, partner has to understand that. And then you have when I am your partner. So of course, it's not possible with the crazy world of today to have every day or every week, but at least one per month, we are going out or do something together, which we enjoyed. And if we forgot or just go back when when you just met, what you enjoy to do together and find time. Find time. It's it's actually the priority. What is really priority? Because as you take care of your body, your health, you have to take care also of your uh, intimacy. So that is something what we uh, unfortunately we have to to integrate to plan if we want to keep the, the fire there uh, in in our couple. Mm-hmm.
2: And I also for as we close down um, to also sh- look at the meaning that we have associated with sexuality in a sense, because uh, as we age, as the circumstances change, somehow the meaning that maybe our culture gave us, like you shared before, or whether as as a youth, you know, we were expecting ourselves to have. um, And I think the, the education that we allow ourselves to keep getting around these areas will also change some of the definitions and associations that we might have, Uh, given who we are, our identity and sexuality together. And maybe we could shift those in a way that works for us and it doesn't create suffering and pain, Whether whether it's the knowledge of my body has changed organically or it's the environment that has changed or that I had some fantasy in my brain and, and knew it, that fantasy, but then in real life, I see that, it, that it's not working. So I gotta, you know, re, I gotta accept the reality and what's best. Um, so that type of coming to acceptance of who I am, where I am, and how can be, how can I, how can I make this work for me? I think is also uh, one of the things that I really got from, uh, uh, your chapter in the book and uh, what, y- what you share. So just to sh- uh, share with people, this is the book Lifestyle Medicine and Chronic Disease Prevention and Treatment. And um, and Dr. Yvonne Hannes has uh, a- an amazing uh, chapter in there, which talks about lifestyle medicine and um, sexual health. Um, in one minute, is there anything we haven't really touched upon that you want people to know about this matter?
0: I mean, I I like how how you synthesized actually that um, during years, during experience, how we change, how we integrate in our life. And this is why for me, sexual health should be just a chapter as other chapters in our life. So we should, how can I say this? We should uh, democratize this. So we should, through communication, through a respectful... So I'm respecting your culture. I respect your education. But I want to give you the opportunity to discuss if you have something related to that, whatever that will be. So let's not make it something which... It's actually all the life around that. It's just a part of our life that we should integrate and we should be able to to discuss. I mean, if you look back... um, 100 years ago, we didn't talk about physical activity. Today, we don't even imagine that we don't talk about that. So let's make it in a very respectful way also a sexual health part of our lifestyle discussions.
2: Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
0: Thank you very much for the invitation.
2: And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next
1: week, bye-bye eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.